Welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast, brought to you by TournamentPokerEdge.com, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to tournament poker strategy. And now, here are your hosts, Ron Fez Buddy and Killing Bird. everyone, welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. I am Killing Bird. That guy over there is Ron Fez Buddy. That's me. He's not literally right over there, but <laughs> I pointed towards New York. So. <laughs> ah, I tricked you. I'm in Jersey today. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> I, I, I'm doing pretty good, man. How you been? I'm good. I shipped the tournament Friday night. Woo! Yes. Can I get some applause? Um, yes, but not not... Uh, not, I'm going to use a different applause this time. It's going to be like three people just going. Okay. So, all right. So let's let's let let me say it again. Can I get some applause? <laughs> yeah, <man. laughs> yeah. Congrats, man. I know uh, you you were battling along there for a while, uh, yeah. making, making some deep runs. It was nice to see. Uh, nice to open up a sweat thread and see a first place finish. Yeah, actually, it was awesome. Um, it was it was what I play poker for. I got to tell you, it's probably I'm, I'm probably in one of the better poker moods than I than I've ever been. Um so sorry for everyone in a downswing, but I was there, so Yeah. <laughs> so you right now you're like, I hate this guy because why is he so uh, happy? Uh, we all take our turns, right? Look, you know what? How often do you win, right? It's like unless you're big dog, you know, you don't win every every day, every week. So you really gotta enjoy it. Um and you know, actually this this is interesting because we'll be talking to it's a good segue into our topic, but the mental game, which we're going to be focusing on today, and, and we'll tell you more about who's on the, the show. But, you know, I did a lot of things right in this tournament. I think I fixed a lot of leaks, and, and there were specific situations where I knew I was playing better. And so I'm really, you know, excited about it and and and, and just replaying a lot of that in my mind that I'm, I'm going to try to take from it those things and, and continue to improve my game. The other thing about it is that this is the... 30k on Poker Stars, the 2750 tournament that starts at 8 p.m. Yeah, um, great tournament. It is a great tournament. I do pretty well in it usually. I was riding a decent sized stack for most of the time. I think I had like I had 20, you know, I was doing okay, and I think I had 30k at 600, 1200, so I was in pretty good shape. Could you know, could be looking for more chips there, and and I got aces in versus queens against another stack basically the same size as me, so I was ready to double up, and I, and he and he beat me, um, and it left me with 1,177 chips at 600, 1,200. And I ended up, I was back, I was a massive chip leader within 10 minutes. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I don't even remember what happened because I was playing like, you know, I was, I was like eight tabling at the time. And all of a sudden I look over and then I have, you know, I double up, I double up. All right, I got 10 big, I got back to 10 big blinds after winning two or three hands. Then I doubled up again. Then I doubled up. Then I, I, I mean, I think I tripled up one time. And <laughs> ten minutes, I had 140k at um at 600, 1200. Well, wow. I, at that point, we were at 800, 1600, but still. Um, yeah. It was just like tremendous to come back from that kind of down second down down moment in the tournament to come back and then and then and then it was actually pretty funny because I regained the chip lead. I was the chip leader or top two or three from that point on. Uh, for the entire tournament, up until about 13 people left. And uh, with 13 people left, I got into a hand with a guy. I had about 250K. I don't remember what the blinds were at, but I had like 280K, and he had like 150. 
and um and I flopped top pair with a, a straight draw, and um, I check raised them all in, and he tanked down to his last second, and then he slow he showed me a slow roll with the made straight already. Oh. <laughs> and um and but you know what though I didn't care dude I mean like actually I had some people railing me who were like yelling at him and and he was he was he was being railed by a couple of regulars who were like come on whatever it's a slow or whatever but you know what I just didn't care I was laughing about it it's yeah. like come on I mean like what once again getting back to the mental aspect of things what good is it going to do to be pissed off um I still had 120k 150k I think I still had like. 22 big blinds, whatever the blinds were at, I had 22 big blinds at the time, is all I remember. So, I was still in that tournament, and I made it to the final table 8 of 9, and then I played pretty solid, aggressive, um, doubled up with queens, made myself like 4 of 7, and then just went on, and uh, heads up, I was down 900k to 2.4k as when we started, and I, I pretty much figured this guy out pretty quickly and, and, and took it down. So, sorry, nice. smug, <laughs> but no, I mean, that's I, all right. You know, it's you know, like it's like we said, you, you got to enjoy these, these times. So it was a pretty fun time. Yep. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, a little mental game talk as well because I'm uh, in the middle of. I, I don't even want to call it a downswing because there's not that much money. But I'm just in the middle of sort of a rough patch of bad beats, and it it really all started with. That Sunday million hand, or the Sunday five million hand. Sorry, where I got it all in with aces against Ace Ten yeah. uh, for a bunch of chips, really deep, and uh, and he made a flush and uh, and pretty much crippled me. And uh, and I feel like mentally I haven't even really fully recovered from that incident yet. So um, I'm excited to have some guys in to hopefully help me with that. So well, that's a good um, uh, good segue into why don't you tell them who's who's on and and what we're doing today. Yeah, so today, um, you know, as we've kind of prefaced, we're going to talk a little bit about the mental game, taking a little bit of break from from standard poker strategy and, and talking about the mental aspect of, of the game. So uh, we have Jamie Glazier, who uh, if you're a member of Tournament Poker Edge, you, you're probably familiar with some of the articles that he's posted on the site uh, and also a forum dedicated to mental game. And, and he's been active in posting in there. And essentially he is a, uh, a mental game coach. So he helps out uh, poker players uh, and other athletes in, um, you know, basically getting their mind in the right shape to uh, to do the best they can in whatever the sport is that they're playing. So I think he is going to be uh, a really interesting guy to talk to. Um, he works he works with Joseph Hatcham as well as a number of online players, and um, I think he's going to have a lot to uh, a lot to share with us. So yeah, I I read I've read his articles a couple times. They're really really good. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk to him and find out just dig more into the mental state and just understanding that side of things. Uh, yeah. Got good, 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 good information from him. Yep. And then, uh, and then also we're going to have um, actually one of our members uh, who on our site is known as Pierre. And I've... Yeah. Pierre 146, I think on the site. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I think you're right. Um, and he is, uh, he is actually a police officer, a detective and is involved in a bunch of interesting things. Uh, but, you know, one of the most interesting is is that he does hostage negotiations, and um, and obviously, uh, you know, if you think poker is stressful, uh, you can imagine <laughs> what it's like yeah. being a police officer, um, <laughs> or a detective, or a hostage negotiator. So um, I know you, you know you, uh, I met him in Atlantic City, and then you met up with him more recently in Atlantic City, and and you yep. had this idea of bringing him on to, to talk about, um, you know, what what he has learned in his training as a police officer, and how we can maybe apply that to. Yeah. Uh, to poke, so. Yeah. How do you deal with stress? How do you deal with tough situations? How do you deal with, 
you know, situations where you don't have all the information and you have to be adaptable and, you know, obviously a person who is a hostage negotiator and uh, a police officer slash detective will have a lot more stake than a poker player. Um, but I think the things that he could, that he's, his training have has, and we've talked to him a little bit about this, the things that he's taken from his training are definitely applicable to poker. Yeah. We're going to be interesting to talk to him about those things and just try to figure out how it maps back to what we do basically every day. Yep. So yeah, I'm excited about it. So let's, uh, let's get to it. Let's, uh, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back with Jamie Glazier here on the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. Tears. This is Casey Big Dog Pocket 5 Jarzebeck from TournamentPokerEdge.com. If you've been looking for a training site dedicated exclusively to tournament poker, then look no further. Tournament Poker Edge is only $23.95 per month with no initial sign-up fee and we post a new training video every weekday. you also find poker-related articles, blogs, and very active strategy forums. We even offer you the ability to upload your own video for others to discuss. So head on over to TournamentPokerEdge.com and find out why it's quickly becoming the destination for tournament poker players looking to take their game to the next level. TournamentPokerEdge.com Welcome back to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. Time to bring in our first guest of this episode. I want to welcome Jamie Glaze here to the show. How are you doing, sir? Very well, thank you. Thank yourself. Doing great. Hey, Jamie. Hey, Diego. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing good. Thanks for joining us today. We're really excited to uh, to bring this this aspect of the game to the people who listen to the podcast. We do a lot of talk about strategy and the technicalities of playing poker, but, God, so much of this game is being able to mentally put yourself in the right place and handle the flow of the game um, correctly. And so, uh, you know, with you being on, on our forums a lot and writing some articles for us, uh, we just had such great response. We wanted to bring you on here, so thank you for doing this. Uh, my pleasure. It's, uh, it's good to be a part of the uh, part of the site, and, and you guys have a not only have a great bunch of coaches that uh, that are part of the site, but but the uh, the members have really uh, have really been great so far since I've jumped on the forum. So it's uh, it's a pleasure to be on the podcast. Yeah, they love you. <laughs> I have to say, <laughs> they really love you. They were like so psyched when 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 we announced that you were you were coming on, and the questions uh, that they that they've they've brought up have been really interesting to read. So pretty cool stuff. Yeah. So. For people who are not uh, maybe a member or who haven't ventured into that section of the forum just yet, Jamie is a mental game coach and works uh, primarily with poker players and golf players. Although I don't want I don't want to make the assumption that that's all you do, so I'll let you um, talk a little bit more about that. But maybe um, maybe you can go into a little bit of detail about what it is that you do, what you try to accomplish with your uh, with your website, and um, and then also specifically. You work with World Series of Poker champion Joe Hashem, and I think uh, a lot of our listeners would be interested to hear about your work with him. Yeah, great. Um, well, I mean, for, for me as a mental game coach, uh, I've been working in the industry for, for about eight or nine years with, with mainstream athletes and, um, and specifically uh, elite and professional golfers. And um, I suppose my role is to, is to help, uh, help my clients understand uh, firstly, how, how the brain functions, so how they can actually put themselves 
uh, mainly uh, in, in their best state or what I call their peak performance state. Everyone has a state that they get into occasionally. Unfortunately, most of the time it's by accident or unconsciously um, that they just perform really well in. Now, what we want to try and do is decipher what's happening during that peak performance state so we can actually recreate that state um, every day pretty much. Um, so uh, th then what we want to try and do is because... Uh, most sports and poker as well. Uh, I would perceive poker to be probably the most emotional game there is. Um, that we may start a session in that state, but there are going to be a lot of things that happen that are going to drag us out of that state pretty quickly, and and sometimes a long way from that state. So we want to create triggers and exercises to stop that process, but also get that player back in that state when something extreme, you know, pops up throughout a session. So. Um, now, then there's a lot of other things that, that, that are about helping that player, you know, perform at their best, whether it's goal setting, motivation issues, um, you know, obviously emotional control, eliminating tilt, but, um, you know, both positive and negative tilt, uh, improving, improving the quality of someone's focus and also improving the, uh, the length of time they can hold a good level of focus for throughout a session. So, um, you know, from a mental game coach point of view, there's, um, there's a lot of things that... Uh, we work on and, uh, uh, you know, looking forward to, I know the mental games are only starting to become a little bit more of a point of focus in, in, in poker over the last probably six to nine months and really looking forward to exploring uh, this with a lot more players over the next few years. It's a, it's a really interesting, uh, really interesting job to have, if I can call it a job. It's more of a passion. So, um, yeah, it's yeah. really interesting. And uh, and like I mentioned, you have done um, some work with Joe Hashem, and uh, he's he's fresh off a really nice run uh, down at the um, well, what was to be an NAPT event in Los Angeles, but I know he finished second in that event. So, sounds like maybe something you're doing with him is working. Well, yeah, look, it's uh, it's it's an interesting uh, situation with Joe. I've been working with, with with Joe for about two years, and. Um, with, with what I would call, uh, well, we both would call minor results, um, both, uh, you know, result-wise in poker, but also result-wise with the stuff that we were working on. And, um, you know, I, uh, I was in Cebu with Joe in November and um, at the, uh, the APPT, and we were sort of having a chat. And, um, you know, I said to him, I said, look, to, to be honest, I said, I feel like we haven't, we haven't actually got off step one first. You know, we've been working together for about 18 months, but I felt like we're, we're still working on building the foundations of the same the same things we worked on when we first started working together. We haven't been able to progress because his life's so busy and he's got so much stuff on. He found it really difficult to be able to commit to these things, these exercises or routines that I created um, to make them conscious. And, uh, and, you know, so he said, you know what, you're, you're right. He said, I, I don't really do much of, of what you've said off the tables. He said, I try and do it on the tables. But when I explained to him that, that what happens on the tables is a direct reflection of, of how much work you've put in off the tables. Um, he, uh, he, he really understood that. And he said, okay, he said, we came back in December after the APPT grand final here in Sydney and... Uh, we're sitting down having a coffee, and I, I said, look, I said, for me, as, as a coach, um, it's time now that I, I have to say to you, it's either, okay, let's do this properly, or we really shouldn't be doing it at all, because um, I, I, I'm a coach that, uh, as I said before, I have a real passion for it. It's not just about, you know, 
uh, paying the bills for me. It's 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 a real passion that I want to work with with clients that are committed and passionate about the improvement of their game uh, on and off the field. And um, so I said to him, look, you know, it's, you just need to make a decision, mate. That um, either you can commit to moving forward and and really working on these things together, or if you don't have time to be able to school, then let's not let's not sort of bark up that tree. And um, he was like really excited. He said, "Yep, let's do it." So we, we we created a pre-game and a post-game routine for him to really go through every single day um, throughout the Aussie Millions, and um, he he did it he did it really well and, and saw some great results on the table. Um, not so much you know how deep he ran in tournaments or making final tables, but just from a process point of view, he uh, he was really really doing well, and we were really happy with with where he was heading. And I said to him before this last trip to the states, just Keep working on that, mate. I said I know that that that, that good results just around the corner. And then the first, uh, you know, the WPT, he played a couple of weeks. So he went deep and finished about 30th. And then, um, yeah, obviously in the in the big event, uh, uh, was uh, you know played great for for five days and six days and, and finished second. So um, you know, I really uh, I really believe. I said to Joe the other night that um, you know if you keep committing to this, you're putting yourself in a position to play your very best poker, which is what you were doing. Pre 2005, 2005, and then 2006, before life got so hectic that it took you out of some of those uh, some of those peak performance states that you're in. Um, if you can really commit to these, uh, you know, consistently this year, and I said to him, I'll make sure my job is to make sure he commits to them. So you know, really push him and focus, and just keep in contact with him, and um, you know, he's who knows what he's capable of um, because when he, when he's playing his best, he's um, He's, he's an amazing tournament player. Yeah, you know, I find I find it really interesting that, you know, you talk about when he's playing his best, he's an amazing poker player. Just, I mean, how much of, uh, how much does the mental state, do you think, affect someone's performance? And I know you're probably going to say a lot, but just, like, how really, how how does it affect your state? What kind of... What kind of decisions can you, you know, how can you make better decisions? What, what, where does a good mental state put you? How do you benefit from a good mental state when, you know, a lot of people who play poker ha- have practiced the technicalities. I mean, a guy like Joe has played tons of hands in his life. So if yeah. he's not in the right mind state, what kind of mistakes is he making? And not just Joe specifically, but I guess everyone, but he's the example everyone knows. What's the benefit oh, wow. of a positive state? Oh, <laughs> I'm going to say, for the for the benefit of not sounding like a complete douchebag, I'm going to say that I that I feel the mental game in poker is approximately 80% of the game. Now, because I don't want to sound like a douchebag, I'll say 80 instead of 100. But um, <laughs> because because what what I perceive is strategic learning and and learning the game um, is actually a, is actually a mental component anyway. So. What a lot of these great teachers do is they, they teach players the strategic, the strategic aspect of poker, which is, it doesn't matter how good you are mentally, if you don't have that strategic foundation, uh, I can't help you. Right. Okay, so the strategic uh, is extremely important. Now, for the elite player um, or for the player that is elite in their game, whether that's, you know, 25 an hour or, 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 or you know, $2 sit and goes or whatever it is, if they're a winning player in, in their game, then the mental game becomes extremely important. And some of the mistakes that um, some of the mistakes that, that players make uh, range from impatience, range from from um, lack of focus. Uh, there are so many. Like it's, for example, like 
with, with some of the players. Uh, I work with a, an MTT player called uh, Brendor, Brendan Ruby, Brendor Ruby, um, who you may know of. He's, uh, he's you know, one on F-Tops, a mini F-Tops jersey, and, and he's, you know, considered to be one of the best MTT players uh, in the world. Um, one point I made with him when I was working with him was that, you know, most guys, you know, the grind, the Sunday majors, they'll, they'll, they'll have six, eight, ten windows up at any point in time playing. Now, what I said to him was that I, if you've got too many windows up, you're not going to be able to get all the information. So it's like it's like a builder quoting on a job, but the builder doesn't have uh, the exact price of how much the bricks are going to cost them. So they're going to they're going to they're going to make a guesstimate. Now, whether they come out at the end with a profit or a loss is luck because they haven't really done specifically the exact numbers on giving that, that person the quote. Now, a, a hand of poker is exactly the same. Um, pre-flop, uh, whether it's live or, or online, obviously online there are timing tells and, 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 and betting tells, but um, have you been focused pre-flop on that hand so that you know the information before the flop, then on, you know, uh, then on the flop, then on the turn, then on the river, and then at the hand after the river, have you been able to get all the pieces of information and make a successful quote where you are a high percentage, you know, 80%, 90% feel like you have the right information to make this call because put your opponent on it, on exact range of hands? Now, that's all good and well if you're playing one window. Now, this is where, you know, improving someone's focus comes into it. If they've got four windows up, they need to have a really high quality of focus even for four windows, because you know that's how much focus is needed to make uh, a high quality play in every single hand that you do play. So, um, you know, I, I perceive the, you know from a mental game point of view that, that you know focus is one thing, emotional control because emotional control, uh, when people tilt or or um, or get impatient, those emotions actually cloud your ability to stay focused on the present. Right. So. There's the mental game. It's like a it's like a spider web. It's um you know there's so many different elements of it that interact with one another. That if you work on one aspect but have a weakness in another, it, it, it's really you know getting in the way of that one aspect actually performing under pressure. Okay, and this is where this is where I find a lot of people, um, you know they run deep in tournaments. They 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 get to you know the 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 final few tables, but then they don't they don't play the same way. That's under pressure. If if you don't play the same way, then the mental game is your, is your biggest weakness. One one of the things that um, in your game set reset article that that you yep. wrote up and, and posted on the site, which um, uh, great feedback on it, and I, I think it ties directly into what you're talking about right now is being able to, you know, on a on a dime reset your mental state to the right frame of mind to, to gather all that information and make the right decisions. And, you know, you talk about a concept of finding the happy place. Um, and yep. you give some suggestions on how to, you know, mentally reset yourself and, and how to, and, and potential happy places um, yep. that, uh, you know, a person can go to. And, and I, you know, you even call it creating a reset button. Could you, could you talk about that? Because I think that is an interesting way to combat tilt um, and as I read it, I felt that I could just see myself cooling down from 
you know, a negative situation and, and how I could take myself away from that by using this technique. So could you talk a little bit about that and explain that? Because I think that's an interesting um, and useful technique. Yeah, for sure. It's um, the, the reset technique is, is something that um, I sort of created to help players understand what happens, uh, what happens when they tilt. Um, it, it's not the actual event because... I could honestly, when I ask players this question, okay, when was the last time in a hand of poker something unbelievably surprised you? Like when it happened, you were like, oh, my God, I've never seen that in my whole life. Now, they probably say, well, not for many years, but they still let these events sort of, how they react to them is like that's the first time it's ever happened. So what I, what I explain to them is it's like tilting... Um, you know, losing emotional control over a hand is the further you hold on to that that uh, that event, the harder it is for you to come back and and come back from tilt. So it's like walking down a road. That the further you walk down a road, the longer it's going to take you to come back. So the reset button is basically walk down a road, stop as soon as you can, create a trigger that's going to distract your mind to you know to to go to your happy place and then basically what will happen is you'll walk back down that road and and, and you won't be there any longer so um, so it's a, it's a it's a basically a, a distraction technique it's distracting the conscious mind from thinking about that bad beat or, or that bad situation because as soon as the mind thinks about that that situation for too long the brain will release chemicals into the bloodstream and make you feel a certain way so make right. you feel ang angry frustrated impatient whatever that situation calls for so we want to create a, a reset button where as soon as that event happens, the, the, with practice, the quicker you can do it, the better. You press that reset button, and then you'll get back into, into your, your, your peak performance state. So the reset button is, is even a word. So my clients and I create a word that, that really means a lot to them. And we may have to create multiple ones for, um, for a bad beat or for being card dead or for, for whatever it may be. And when that event pops up, they say that word. That word is actually on a post-it note at the bottom of their screen. They say that word, and then that word may have a couple of images to it. Um, right. So, you know, for, for example, a reset might be let it go. So they get a bad beat, let it go. So let it go, and then, for example, that may take them to, it's only a hand of poker. Um, there's been massive devastation in Japan at the moment, so um, this isn't that big a deal in the scheme of things. So they're able to put it in perspective, let it go, and then stay focused on, on what it is. So depending upon the person and, and, their, and their personality, um, uh, you know, we create a, a reset button and then a couple of images that, that they can associate to that to help, uh, to help reverse that pattern in the brain. Because we're such visual creatures, those images are really important for them to actually go back to, to sort of start to visualise those images in their head because that will, that will have a quicker reverse effect on the brain, uh, releasing those negative chemical, uh, those negative chemicals into the bloodstream. So it's almost like I've always heard, like <laughs> I've always heard, if you can try to fake a smile, you'll actually yep. start to feel better because the just I don't know. I guess it tricks your mind, and you know the, the muscle memory starts to make. I don't know. Is that is that true? It makes you feel a little better just just by start you know forcing yourself to smile will will change your mental state. Is it something like that where you're tricking your body into um, you know, starting a, 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 a biological process that is more beneficial. Is that, would you say that's, that's true? Yeah, it's, it's similar. Like with that, with that smile you're talking about, that's what we call an anchor. Um, when we anchor a certain, uh, we can anchor any state 
that we want to by a physical cue. Now, a smile is a physical cue that when we do that, it anchors the brain to go back to in, in, in times past when I've smiled, where has that been? What, what memory do I can I recall from smiling? And obviously for a lot of people, it's, it's a happy time. So yep. the brain will unconsciously go back to that and then put us unconsciously in sort of more of a happy state. And all this stuff just happens automatically. Now, right. a, lot of my, a lot of my teachings are, because this stuff is so complex and can be very complicated, I try and simplify it all and, and make it so that everyone can understand it, give them simple exercises that will actually do a lot of that work underneath the surface without them having to actually consciously think about it because it's, it, uh, it can be pretty complex stuff. But, um, but that, that, that's, that's uh, the smiling part of things is, is like an anchor. What, what these other, uh, the, the button is, is it's actually um, really building, building more, more of a strength from a mind control perspective. It's controlling your mind, not letting an event, an external event, have control over where your mind goes. It's your, you're going to stop your mind from going there control it and then no I want my mind to head over in this direction so it's more controlling the path that your mind goes throughout a poker session which is such a challenging aspect it's it, to me it's the most important aspect but it's also the most difficult aspect in the game of poker controlling what your mind is doing I, I really liked um, in some of the, the you know some of the the reset buttons that you create you talked about you know, maybe your best result or a really great performance that you put on I thought that was great because I mean I can see you know, being in a in a situation where you know you take a couple bad beats and things aren't going your way, and I've done this before myself, um, just this technique where you just start thinking, okay, listen, I've I've done this in the past. Even if you you know forget about a beat, let's just say you make a mistake. You know, yeah. you say, listen, I've I've done this in the past. I've had success. You know, I've won something, or you know, I played. You know, let me go back to this hand where I played fantastic against this tough opponent. And it really does start to change your mental state and make you feel a little bit better and get you out of that negative emotion. I really think that's a that's an interesting um, suggestion there. Um, my question is how many how many of your um, your, your clients uh, that their 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 reset button is their kid? <laughs> what percentage did you say is their kid's name is their reset button? Oh well, yeah, there's quite a lot. I mean, and, and it's it, a lot of it is is external. You know. One thing we know that we that we've worked on is, um, and he actually spoke about it in a, in a, in, a, in an interview we had with uh, I think it was Southwest Poker News, um, just before his his um, second place at the big the big event. He he had an interview and um, you know his pregame routine. The the what we specifically created in his pregame routine is also um, aspects of his reset button, so that he starts a session with a with a pregame routine with these things anchored and, and this state there. Um, but his reset button is, is a similar thing so that it, it's easy to connect to. And, um, he, you know, his, his um, I, I suppose Joe, the last few years, um, he's had a little bit of a, uh, people have sort of, you know, thought that, you know, Joe's bad luck, you know, he, he's Mr. Bad Luck, you know, he's always unlucky. Whenever he's discussed stuff in the media, he's, you know, he's been so unlucky and this, that, and the other. Anyone that wins a, a main event of the World Series, He's never unlucky. Um, so, you know, he, he, a couple of his reset buttons were, um, you know, that he's, he's extremely blessed in his life um, with, with his current situation. He's got an amazing wife that he's been married to uh, and, and been with forever. He's got three, uh, four beautiful kids, three boys and, and Justine, like four beautiful kids that, and, that he adores and, and they adore him. And, 
and those things for him are powerful enough that he will get rid of any negative state in a heartbeat when he's at a poker table because at the end of the day, poker, you know, is not any, more important than any of those things. And, um, you know, the, the great thing about this last trip to, to the States, Joe went, Joe went by himself. He's away for sort of three weeks, four, you know, three and a half weeks, which is a long time for him to be away from his family because he's, he's, he's such a hands-on parent and husband. Um, but in all the interviews that, that I watched of Joe, and, and, and the photographs at the table, it looked like he was having so much fun. That's great. And, that, and that's, that's such a key ingredient that we've been working on, and, and it's great that that helped enable him have a, have a really good result. So, um, but yeah, I definitely. Guess, the, the, I guess he has the biggest reset button on the planet for poker, right? <laughs> Going back to winning the, the, the main event would be the biggest reset button you could possibly have, I think. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, and the other, the other thing, too, is, and, and Derek mentioned before, like, Reset is, is when you're at a tournament, um, I get players to, okay, let's have an example, they're, uh, they're, they're three times average in a tournament and um, they're on a table, there's another pretty big stack there, um, they get involved in the hand and bang, loses most of your stack and now you're just under average. Now, this is, this is when it's really important to control your mind because... Uh, you this happens to me all the time, Jamie. This is really... I find this really interesting because this... That hap- I, I, I definitely struggle with this. So, and, and, and I'm sure a lot of our... our, our I, I've actually talked to a lot of people and they just can't handle it when they've had a big stack and they're back to average. It, you know, I yeah. find it, it just makes me, it, it makes me feel a little defeated. And I know that's wrong and I try to reset myself, but you get stuck in the, you know... What could have been? I was in this great spot just a, a minute ago. So yeah, whatever. Yeah. What's the, what's the advice there? What do you do in that, when well, you're in that situation? Well, when you're losing hand like that, the what could have been is still a possibility. Right. Like this is the thing that a lot of people that they don't we don't have enough strength of mind or control over our mind because um, we've got a big. It's all about staying in the present. See what happens is when we've got a big big we've got a big stack. Well, all of a sudden, our mind wanders to, okay, we're on the final table, and how much pays for first, and, geez, what could I do with that money? And all of a sudden, you know, the new car is already in the garage. <laughs> um, that's, you know, what we're going to do is control the mind to stay in the present. So reset is, okay, you've, 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 you've basically, uh, you know, you've got three times average chips, you, you're in the top five in chips, bang, all of a sudden you're just under average. Reset, okay, what's my chip stack? I've got 35,000 in chips. What's average? Average is 42,000. Okay, cool. 35, 42. How many players left? Bang. This amount of players left. Okay. This is my situation in the tournament. Have I ever made a final table or won a tournament from this position? Yeah. Now, Good point. If, if most players have, if most players have played enough volume, they've probably won a tournament or final table with maybe five BBs in a tournament. So being just under average is no big deal. So what yeah. we've got to try and do is to go from to go from a mental state of devastation and, 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 and what you would perceive as loss, oh my God, what could have been? We need to click that around to being inspired to continue to, to, to shoot for that same goal, which is okay, I'm just below average. Have I ever won a tournament or final table from this position? And you'll go, Of course I have and then you go, Bang, okay, let's do it and then you're back focused on the present. Jamie, it's funny you mentioned that because we talked about this before you came on. I, I, I won a tournament Friday night where I had 11,177 1, chips at the 1,200 big blind level. So I came back from less than one big blind. I mean, just exactly what you said. I came back from less than one big blind to win 
completely win a tournament. And I came back from less than one big blind. Within 10 minutes, I was the chip leader. So it's absolutely, yeah. completely possible um, to come back. And if you're just at, I mean, just being at average, I, I would have loved to have uh, been at average. I, you know, I lost aces to queens, right? So, yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's how you usually end up in those states, right? I lost aces to queens and was under one big blind. And, I mean, I, for me, it wasn't necessarily that I did what you just said. I, I will in the future remember that. Um, I just yeah. have so many other tournaments going on. I just, I just, I, you know, I didn't focus on it. I guess that's, I guess it's kind of to your, to your point. I was playing other tournaments, so I just, you know, I just moved on. I went to the next tournament, yeah. and I didn't, I didn't let it affect me. Um, it was early yeah. enough in the tournament where I didn't feel like I was really deep yet. So, uh, good example, yeah. because that's exactly what happened just to me. Really interesting point. Yeah, and, and, and what a lot of players, what a lot of players, uh, don't really do is they don't acknowledge that situation to a high enough level so that when they're in that situation in future, that actually situation comes to the forefront of their mind. Right. Okay, so they they will. I mean, this is this is all to do with human nature as well. Just you know, acknowledging the negatives and not really acknowledging or amplifying the positives. So when you're in that situation in the future, what's going to happen is um, you're going to probably be, be controlled more by the emotions and get down yourself and, oh, blah, 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 poor me, instead of your brain going, hang on a second, you've won a tournament from less than one BB, so come on, I know that's probably, right. you know, not that possible, but let's at least give it a shake while we're here. Um, right. right. <laughs> and, you right. know, so, so it's, it's really amplifying and, and acknowledging um, the, you know, the good quality play that you've done or, or some, some good quality processes or mental states that you've, you've actually been able to get yourself into so that they're at the forefront of your mind in future so you can recall them a lot easier. Right. That actually brings me to uh, another question I had from the other, one of your other articles on, on the site. Um, you wrote an article called Are You Taking Out the Trash? And what I really got from that article was your concept of sort of that positive recycle bin and the negative recycle bin. And you know, focusing on what you did well in the past uh, as opposed to focusing on what you've done poorly. Um, even in one specific hand, what did you do well as opposed to what you did poorly in that hand? Um, could you talk yeah. about that concept? Because I found that concept has really helped me out a lot, and I think uh, the listeners would benefit from it. Yeah, look, it's um, it's something that I, that I sort of really – I suppose I created this – I mean, how I got into the game of poker was Jack and I started playing maybe four years ago uh, – just a home game with friends, and then we went into the casino and put real money down on the table and um, playing for a little while. And, 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 you know, Jackie being a woman, possibly um, she had, although she's a very emotional person, she had more control of that at the table and, and didn't personalise things. And, and I'm, from a, I'm from a tennis background where I'm sort of competing against that person. So, you know, there were times where I would, I would make it personal, but... What, the biggest thing that I got out of playing, you know, live cash with real money, the first, the first probably five or six times, was how bad I would leave that session, or, or how bad I would feel when I was leaving that session, when I wasn't doing anything wrong, you know. And and and, and the concept grasped on me like this game makes you feel so bad when you've played absolutely perfectly, like no other game in the world. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Because there are so many external factors depending that, that, that have an impact on whether you win or lose a hand or whether you win or lose a session or whatever. Um, so I'm like, okay, this, this cannot be happening. Uh, this has to be one of my main point of focuses with clients is I need you to focus on what you're in control of, your decisions, and what positions you get yourself into, and then let the result go because 
That's all you can do. If, if, if you let things that are outside your control impact you negatively in poker, then it's going to get the better of you and you're going to be an emotionally unstable, depressed individual um, whether you have lots of money or, or no money. And, and to me, that's ridiculous. Um, I mean, what you said, I mean, what you, what you said is interesting because I, I kind of see it's, it's like this. It's, it's, it's in terms of your performance. It's good, 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 bad. But then we focus on that bad and we forget, we don't process it and sort of mentally capture the things that we were doing good. Um, yeah. Where if we replay, if we replay the stuff that's good in our mind, we can replicate that more often in the future and learn from yeah. it, and it becomes part of our instinct. Um, Absolutely. What I think from that concept that you brought up, you know, I think it's really a, an astute point. I, I never thought of it that way. Yeah, well, I mean, it's from a mind's perspective. Like how the how the mind works is 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 the mind sort of stores images and memories of of what we've what we've done and um, or what has happened to us and. It's like a filing cabinet, and all the all the files that are stored at the very front are the the events or the situations we have emotionalized the most. Now, in poker, or and just in life in general as well, but but in a lot of games and a lot of sports, most players will emotionalize the negative things. Okay, so we have a lot of negative negative images stored at the very forefront of our subconscious, and they're the they're the ones that are the easiest to recall. So, what we do different routines and, pro, uh, and, um, uh, and sort of exercises of players to reverse that pattern. So, you know, if they, if they manage to, because there's, poker is the only game, um, I, okay, I won't say the only game, but probably definitely the only game that I would know of or have competed in, um, whereby you can lose to someone that has made a horrible play. Um, That's a good point, right? Like, like my wife, uh, this, this year's Aussie, Aussie Millions main event. So $10,500 buy-in. Day one, she's on Joe's table, Joe Hashman and, and Chris Ferguson um, and herself and a couple of other good players. Oh, Mal Judah was there, so it was, it was a really good table. Um, and she really, she loved that opportunity. So she's, you know, three there, four betting, betting the guys and, and really playing. She's quite an aggressive player, but, but playing really well and, and build a stack up to about uh, was, what was this? I think it was 30k starting. She had about 42. This is early on, maybe in the, the, the first stage of the second level, or something. And there's this one guy there that just wanted to be involved in every hand, and Jackie was just annihilating him. Anyway, he, he built his stack up to to about 32 when he ran his uh, I don't know ace four all in pre against ace king and spiked the four and got the guys got doubled up off this guy. So. You know, Jackie's got ace. Jackie's got aces. This guy raises in, in early position. Joe flats. Jackie pops it up um, on the button. So perfect timing. You know, on the button looks like a position the position raise. So she three bets. He four bet jams for something like Jack had forty two. He had thirty uh, about thirty. So maybe about thirty one. He four bet jams for thirty one in the second blind level of the day. <laughs> Just, just because he was getting so frustrated. So Joe folds, Jackie's got aces, so she calls. He's got Jack four off, and um, obviously hits a full house. Um, and, and, you know, but, but, but this, is the, the, this game is so brutal in regards to, to, you know, players can play so badly yet win, um, and, and we, at the end of the day, we really shouldn't let that affect how we store that particular session because Jack played amazing poker 
on a really tough table with some of the world's best players, was not intimidated by them, was actually controlling the table, um, yet, you know, one douchebag played a hand really badly because he just had enough of Jackie's good play and then got super lucky. So we shouldn't let her walk away and go, oh, my God, oh, my God, because it, she doesn't deserve that. Deserve that. Um, so, you know, after the, obviously after the, 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 the initial half an hour, 45 minutes steam off, which a couple of years ago used to be maybe three days. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, we, we, but we but it's okay for her. To, it's okay for her to, to 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 initially spend some time moping, though, right? I mean, it's got to be because I can't imagine anyone in this world who busts out and doesn't have some sort of just anger, anger in that kind of spot or or regret. I, I guess it's a matter of just recovering quickly and then remembering what you did well, right? Remembering it and taking Absolutely. that to the next session, right? Absolutely, and it's it's a, it's a post game routine that I've built, and 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 I'll allow players like. If my players don't vent, um, I'm going I'm to question. I'm going to question them. Uh, why are you not angry? Did you want to win this tournament, or it didn't mean that much to you? So yeah, venting is, is, is a really important part of the process. Now, what we want to do for for a tournament player, and, and especially online players um, or, or live players that 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 are, that are good winning cash game players, is be able to get them to recover as quick as possible, so that they can. You know, let's say they're at a live series and there's really juicy cash games going on, but they've just busted out of the tournament. If they take four or five hours or, or a day to, to get over it, then they're losing profits by not being on the table. That's what they plan to do while being there. Right. Um, so what we want to get, we want them to recover quickly, um, both, both, you know, so they can either get on a cash table and play cash or, or register for another tournament. Or just from a not focused perspective, and just enjoy your, your night out with friends, having dinner, and not be in such a bad state of mind. So you know the recovery process is important, and this this, this post game routine that I've created is, is is about a ten to fifteen minute routine um, that helps reverse that 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 trend that we spoke about before of, of planting a negative seed in in the mind of, of what just happened, um, and not really acknowledging all the positive aspects that may have occurred in that session because you could play great perfect poker for six hours and maybe done 20 to 30 really really great things while there and then bust out in a really unfortunate way and those 20 or 30 things have been thrown down the toilet um, and, and to never be recalled again so this post game routine gets them to go over those things acknowledge those things and a few things that you would like to improve tomorrow so that if there were certain leaks that popped up Focus on what you would like to do differently tomorrow with those leaks, and then that puts the mind in a state of, of being more motivated and inspired to come back tomorrow and play great again, instead of you know uh, getting to that self pity state or poor me, poor me that uh, that the game can sort of you know create in you. Yeah, I I I, I know what you mean because if I you know go through a session and and don't cash or you know bust out somewhere you know where I, it's not close enough to to a final table. Um, if I could pick out a couple of hands that I, I thought I played well and focus on those, uh, the next day I'm I'm ready to play because I just I'm excited. I feel like I'm, I'm progressing. I feel like I'm improving, um, and I find that I play the next day better because I have more confidence and I am practicing the the the, the positive elements, um, the things that I'm doing well, and I'm getting better at those and and making them happen more often. So it's a it's a pretty uh, neat concept and something to, to definitely go back to. Appreciate that that perspective. No problem. Yeah, it's a, it's a really important thing. And, and, I, and I got a lot of that from, you know, my work with golfers on the pre-shot routine and post-shot routine. And, and I just created a similar sort of thing for poker. And, um, uh, you know, it's been the most powerful thing, the, the pre-game routine and the post-game routine. 
uh, for players has been, you know, the most positive EV, most positive EV thing that they've done in their game, I would say, ever. Um, because it allows them to, to, to put themselves in a place of being able to put all the strategy that they've learned through the years and all their knowledge on how to play poker. It's actually, it's actually something that helps them be able to make those decisions on a higher percentage of hands all day, every day. So that's going right. to end, end up, you know, helping them win a lot more money. Right. Yeah. Cool. Jamie, if we could, we have a, a few questions that uh, that members actually sent in to ask you. So we'd love to run some of those by you before we let you go. Yeah, no problem. Cool. So um, one of our members, Hawkeye Canine, actually kind of brought up an interesting point, which is uh, that, you know, MTT players, which obviously is what our site focuses on, kind of face a, a very different challenge than maybe cash game players because if we have a bad beat or something goes wrong or we play a hand poorly, we can't really just get up and walk away and say, I'm going to go have some dinner and then I'll come back and, and play later. Um, you know, cause you still might have eight tournaments going or you still might have a stack. Like you said, you might, you know, you might have had three times and now you got average, but you still got to keep playing. So are there, are there things that you can do, you know, before your session even starts to sort of prepare for a what could be a 10-hour long session, um, you know, because I think a lot of times we we think of sort of the mental game as, well, how do I recover from something bad having happened? But are there, thing, are there things you can do before you even start that will prepare you for that long grind? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the, that, that, that pregame routine that we spoke about is, is a really, um, it's a very sort of individual and specific to, to each player because each player has their own uh, I suppose you know, negative behaviours occur or, or, or situations that happen in a in a session that they don't handle too well. So we sort of create that pregame routine as a bit of a security blanket for when those things. And you know, a lot of players go into a session maybe with with a bit of a I don't know maybe their eyes closed in regards to these things are not going to happen in this session, but these things happen in every single session that you play. Okay, so you've got you've got to have so we pick out the three things, you know, the, the three most common things that will happen to a player in a session that have the, the biggest negative impact on them. So then you, you basically go through a pregame routine that, that is that is revolved around you being able to handle, um, you know, creating that reset button for those situations would be a perfect thing um, for K9 to, to, to do, but also um, how you would like to react to those situations. So if this, if this situation occurred, how would you like to react as soon as that situation comes up? What would be your optimal behaviour when that occurs? And then we get them to go through some visualisation techniques, um, you know, days or, or weeks before, um, and they get them put into practice. Now, everyone out there has got to understand that when you work on these things and then the very next time it happens, it, it probably is, it, well, it's not going to be perfect and it's going to be far from perfect, but it's about practicing these traits. It's about strengthening your ability to, to, to control these situations. And that's the, the one thing that I say to a lot of clients is I'm going to give you a sort of a four to six week window. And, and, and that four to six weeks is when you can expect these things to happen automatically and actually happen in a, in a positive way. Before then, they're not built. The foundations aren't built strong enough to withstand some of the things that happen in a poker session. So um, the other thing that can the, the focus exercise, uh, one of the chapters on my video program is, is I get players to, to go through a focus exercise, which is a, it's sort of a, a two-in-one type of exercise where it helps improve the, the quality of their focus, but also the, the longevity of their focus. And also helps 
train their brain to be able to let things go. So just when something happens, just let it float by and don't let the brain attach to it, which means attached to it means thinking about it. So let it float by and stay in the present. And um, that would also be something that, um, that I get a lot of my players to do before their sessions, to, to be able to clear their mind so that they have that ability to just let things go. Um, so, um, so there's definitely a couple of things there that the canine can do to um, to help improve his uh, you know his quality over a, over a long session for sure. Cool. Um, one of the other things that uh, you had talked about, I think, uh, in actually in one of the, the forum threads, was the idea of sort of turning your focus off between hands to help maintain your focus for a long, long session. Yeah. Um, and and Benny Maka, who's one of our members, had had asked, you know, how do you balance that process uh, with possibly missing important information that could be happening in, in between yeah. hands. Yeah, I, um, and I think I replied to Benny, more think of it as turning the volume down as opposed to switching off completely. So, um, so turning the volume down, you know, basically whenever you fold your cards and you're not in the hand, you just lower your intensity of, of what's going on. You're still watching, but you're not you're not super intense in regards to analysing the situation, what's going on. You're more just sitting back and looking um, because when you when you look as opposed to analyse, um, you actually see a lot more things. You, you, your instincts pop up a lot more and that um, that right side of your mind actually takes over where you're just looking you're like, well, I just saw something there. What was that? That was that was different, whether it was a bet size or a timing tell or or, or something. And, and obviously live, this is, this is, you know, a lot more important live, but... Um, but turning your volume down when you're not in a hand actually is going to allow you to have a higher level of focus um, or battery life, as, as we can call it, uh, for later on in the day or later on in your sessions. So I find a lot of people, a lot of people, when they when they when they come to me and they go, oh, you know what, late in sessions, uh, and when I go deep in tournaments, I just have what I call brain farts, where you just have brain explosions and and make some big mistakes. Um, what I say to them is, first thing that most likely it is, is your it's your focus energy and your battery life has just has just run dead low. Um, you know, it's uh, there's there's no energy or battery left in your brain to hold focus for that, that period of time. So, you know, we create that turning down the volume to to maintain uh, some of their focus energy. Also, introducing the an exercise that I call resetting physiology. Um, to help reactivate the brain again, because when, when our physiology is stagnant and sitting in the same spot for a long period of time, our brain also slows down. Okay, so what we uh, what we get them to do is, you know, on their one-minute breaks or, or in between, uh, you know, just, just do some form of, of short, sharp physical exercise for 10 seconds that actually is going to reactivate your physiology, which will start to activate your mind. And players, players feel and see... Uh, uh, a different straight away. Their mind just, you know, they're more alert, they're more focused. They're, um, you know, so that's something that we've introduced as well, and that that helps keep the brain alive, so to speak, for for the latter parts of of, of people's sessions. Yeah, I've actually found that really helps. I've I've mentioned that to a few people, and some of them have laughed at me. But you know, you get a five, you know, the, the glory of sync synchronized breaks online is that you get, a, you know, five minutes of free time, and uh, you know, obviously you got to grab a drink or use the bathroom or whatever. But I I almost do. I almost exercise on every single break, whether it's, you know, a quick 30 jumping jacks or a couple of crunches or whatever, just something to sort of get moving a little bit and get the blood flowing again. Yeah. Because there's, I mean, I'm never as exhausted mentally yeah. as I am at the end of a 10 or 12 hour long session. Wait, I mean, you so just, you mean, 
I shouldn't go get potato chips on the five-minute break? No, you definitely stop. should, but just run <laughs> to get them and then run back. <laughs> Jamie, how do I stop eating potato chips? <laughs> if you're going to get potato chips, do cartwheels on the way back. Run there, do cartwheels on the way back. So hopefully you'll hit your, hopefully you'll hit your head on something and you'll forget about what you went to the cupboard for and you won't eat the potato chips. Oh, uh, probably need to do a, a there. We probably need to do an episode on 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 physical uh, skill, physical aptitude for for tournament yeah. players, right? At some point, uh, the different different set of challenges. But uh, right. I like the exercise idea <laughs> during breaks. Good idea. Yeah, it's a big big challenge in the poker world. Up, but um, but no, it's it's, it's important. Excellent. Well, um, Jamie, I want to give you a chance to uh, plug your website, let people know where they can find out more information about the services that you offer. So, Yeah, okay, great. It's, um, the website's uh, daretodream.com.au. So dare to dream is the, with the number two, uh, .com.au. And we have a um, – there's a – it's free for people to join and access the forums, the discussion topics, uh, access article content and those sort of things. And um, then there's uh, – uh, we give the uh, the TPE members uh, a promo code, which is uh, the promo code is D2DTPE um, that they can use when signing up to get a fifty dollar discount. I think the um, I think the site's like two ninety five, uh, and uh, then they get it uh, for two forty five with a fifty dollar discount. That's for twelve month access to to the thirteen chapter video program. But we'll also be adding you know adding different little videos here and there. Now on that I've done, whether it's through video blogs from different sites or, or just uh, a, a couple of little short, sharp video tips that I'll be adding, uh, adding this year. So you know, hopefully by the end of the year there may be uh, there may be you know close to 30 separate uh, videos that for, for members to watch. But um, and that way then you know because there, there might not be a lot of people out there that can pay the hundreds of dollars per hour for a one-on-one session with myself, but they can go there, look at the 13 videos that are it's a specific mental game program. Then they can jump on the forum and ask me a question, and uh, and they can actually personalise that program like they are having one-on-one coaching for, for you know, a zillionth of the cost. So um, right. Well, I think it's um, I think it's really interesting con- content and and definitely worth the price. Like, I mean, obviously, you know, we are a training site and we and we, and we sell a service, but I always tell people, you know, it, an annual subscription to our site can be paid for by winning one four-dollar hundred eighty-man tournament. On, yeah. on poker stars. So, you know, if if signing up for your site allows them to win one more four dollar tournament, yeah. then yeah. Uh, then you know the results have paid for themselves yeah. you know, in, yeah. in one single tournament. So, and, and I can tell you that I can tell you that our members are just really loving the the, the, the stuff that you're bringing to to our site. So the, the content is really good. Um, great uh, so far. That's yeah. great. It's it's great to hear. And you know, with my work in. Um, with my work in the, in, in the golf world and, and working a lot, you know closely with technical coaches, it's no different with poker. You know, I, I say to my, my my players, the mental game. You know, we can really see the the, the improvements and, and and take advantage of the work that we've done on your mental game. Only providing your strategic knowledge is up to scratch for the competition you're playing. Now, you know that doesn't need to be that advanced at, at a two dollar, three dollar, four dollar sit and go. Um, but as you build your role and you move up limits, then your knowledge of the game needs to improve as well. So, um, you know, the strategic and, 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 and mental game sort of coaching is uh, is very closely linked. And um, it's uh, it's great that, you know, sites like yours have, have come on board and, and, and help provide some some of the other the other you know, missing links, so to speak, uh, to the members. And, um, you know, let's uh, let's hope at this year's World Series we see a few TPE uh, 
TPE members on final tables and um, and, and doing some great things. So uh, cool. great. So. So cool. Yep, and uh, and hopefully we'll get a chance to uh, to see you out in Vegas at the World Series. Maybe we'll uh, we'll grab some dinner or something someday. Yeah, I'll yeah. Uh, I'll be there, and I, and I know you guys have. Uh, I think you've got a coaching uh, a live coaching program or seminar that you, you you're trying to get up. Yep, yep. Yeah, we're doing I'm, that on on June the tenth, so people can find information about that on the website. Yeah, well, I've, I've put that down in my uh, in my diary. I'm going to try and see if I can keep that free and. Kind of pop my head and say good day to you guys if I, if I can. So um, hopefully we'll uh, we'll catch up with everyone there. That would be great. Awesome, Jamie. Thank Excellent. you so much, Jamie. Really appreciate your time. Yeah, thank my you. For, thank you for spending this time with us. Really appreciate it. No worries. Thanks, guys. Good to chat to you. All right, okay. we will be right back here on the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. Hey, this is Killingbird from TournamentPokerEdge.com, here to tell you about our exclusive rakeback program. Tournament Poker Edge offers up to 40% rakeback on sites such as Full Tilt Poker, Absolute Poker, Ultimate Bet, and Cake Poker. If you're playing online and not getting rakeback, you are just giving money away. So visit rakeback.tournamentpokeredge.com and sign up for the Tournament Poker Edge rakeback program and start getting paid to play today. Podcast. Special thanks to Jamie Glazier for stopping in today to talk a little bit about uh, the mental game. And now, as promised, we want to bring in TPE member Pierre. What's up, man? Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, Pierre. Thanks for joining us, man. Uh, not a problem. Cool. Um, so, you know, Derek, I wanted to talk to Pierre. Um, we met Pierre. Uh, I, met, I, know, I think you met him previously, but I met him for the first time at the uh, World Series of Poker circuit event at Harrah's, or sorry, at Caesars uh, two weeks ago um, when a bunch of us from TPE went down for event one and it was a fr- pretty fun time. And um, during one of the breaks, we were just chatting, you know, what do you, what's your day job? What do you do? And, and he told me he's a hostage negotiator. And so I knew we were putting together. Um, this pod, you know, th- th- this podcast on the mental game and, and featuring Jamie, but I thought there might be something interesting there in in Pierre's training uh, and and how he applies maybe some of his training to to the poker game because I'm assuming and we'll get to the questions in just a second. I'm assuming that there's quite a bit of, of training around dealing with stress, dealing with, with 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 stressful situations, reading people, understanding what what they're saying and, and what potentially their motivations are, and so uh, we thought that it'd be fun to bring Pierre on. To, to talk about that and how it applies to poker. So, Pierre, thank you for, for joining and, and being willing to talk a little bit about that with us. Not a problem, guys. Cool. So um, would you mind, before we jump into this poker-specific stuff, how about a little bit of background, just so everyone who's listening um, knows a little bit about you and, and, and what you're doing on a day-to-day basis? Just I think it's fascinating for a lot of people just even beyond poker. Right. Um, I've been a police officer for uh, going on 15 years now. Um, you know, just like everybody, I went to the police academy, 
96. And, um, you know, for my first few years, I was in the uh, patrol division, uh, just normal patrol stuff, driving around, answering calls, you know, stopping cars, different reasons, stuff like that. For the last five, I've been assigned uh, as a detective and have had uh, just various jobs. Um, I was a narcotics officer for three years. And during those years, um, we also did uh, street crimes, basically like gangs. Um, and the whole five years I've been in the uh, detective division, I handle a wide variety of like major crimes, um, you know, anything from as little as uh, like some some forms of simple assaults, you know, aggravated assaults to sexual assaults to obviously homicides, uh, frauds and thefts of all kinds. I also am a uh, instructor at the uh, police academy, um, a field training officer, just and had had excuse me have had different uh, trainings over the years um, dealing with pressure. I'm also a uh, hostage negotiator. Um, with our police department in the uh, county that I live in, you know, along with just, you know, different things that I get to do on a, uh, a daily basis. Interesting. So, it's exciting. Do you, do you have, um, are there, uh, are there, I mean, are there a lot of hostage negotiations that happen and how, how frequent is, is that, no, does I, that occur? I would say like, uh, you know, we don't get to do that too, too much, uh, in the county or, uh, the town that I live in. Um, that's something that doesn't happen, you know, too often at all, but obviously we go through training, uh, just to keep everything fresh. Um, you know, the kind of situations we get into, obviously there's always some kind of negotiating that you're getting into, um, pressure situations, you know, on an everyday basis, it's just, you know, different kinds. So, uh, I'm just in your day to day work. I'm, I'm sure you deal with the stress of having to make decisions in, you know, a short amount of time with a limited amount of information, uh, and the stress that, that, that puts on a person and, and how to effectively operate within those, those parameters. Is there anything you can, you know, tell us about the type of training you receive for, for making it, you know, making decisions on short information and, and dealing with stressful situations? Right. I mean, um, you know, obviously over the years, you know, I go through, uh, different kinds of training, whether it be, um, you know, just how to be professional, uh, you know, at different calls, how to handle, uh, you know, anything from dealing with, uh, you know, a, uh, a small child who's being, uh, you know, out of control with his mom to, you know, a domestic situation, a husband and wife. And, you know, this could be some of the, the scarier situations, um, right. you know, and then you're, you go you go as far as like bank robberies and any kind of robberies where there's guys with guns involved and stuff. So. You know, dealing with those kind of situations, it, it can be crazy at times, but obviously if you don't deal with the, the pressure, you know, correctly, it could affect you, you know, in a wide variety of ways, both making those decisions uh, as they happen, um, because everything's very quick. It's just, you never know what's going to happen. And that's part of the, part of the reason why I enjoy work so much is because every situation is totally different. Um Sure, there are going to be situations where you go to, you know, a, a husband and wife dispute. Well, that's the same, same kind of situation, but, you know, there are obviously, you know, all kinds of twists, you know, that, uh, occur differently with every situation you get into. So, um, you know, it's, it's, you learn every day, you evolve, you know, as a person, you know, at right. work, 
you know, you learn how to deal with those situations. I mean, obviously, I'm a, I'm a better police officer. I'm a better detective now than I was when I first started the job. So, right. Yeah, it's kind of. I guess it's kind of like poker because you can you can play the same hand with the same cards, you know, involved fifteen times, but it's ne- probably never going to play out exactly the same way. Or no, you know, your opponent's going to be different. Correct. Yeah. And as it, as it pertains, you know, to poker, you know, obviously poker is a hobby for me, but I truly, truly enjoy it. And when it pertains to poker, you know. I want to win all the time, you know, that, that I go, you know, and play poker, but realize that that's not going to happen. But, you know, depending on the, the kind of tournament we're playing it, like, you know, we're playing, uh, you know, I mean, all of us, we all met at different WSOPs along with the website. So there's a different amount of pressure, you know, that I feel at different tournaments. Um, obviously I want to do well at some of the big ones and stuff like that. So, you know, and I apply my own pressure, you know, to myself because I want to do well. So, right. dealing with that. Well, one yeah. of the things that 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 you um one of the, the 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 common occurrences that you mentioned that I thought was very relatable to poker was the phenomenon that you described as tunnel vision um, when right. entering a, a, a situation, which right. um you know you can describe what tunnel vision is, but uh, I see it very correlated to sort of not evaluating waiting a hand street by street or taking new information in or understanding, you know, all the different things that could be happening. Could you could you describe what, what you learned about tunnel vision and, and sort of how it applies to poker? Right. I think, you know, prior to tunnel vision, I think, you know, you start talking about, you know, you're you're sitting at a table, you know, you're playing and this again goes back in your everyday life. And it, especially me at work, you know, I think ego comes into play. And at times, you know, people get in trouble, you know, their their egos come into play much, much more than they should. Now, I realize that I am not a phenomenal top 10 poker player in the world. You know, I'm just an average nit who enjoys playing, you know, and... Wait, was that Derek or Pierre? Who, who... <laughs> Welcome to the club. <laughs> hey. But, you know, I, I know how to play. You know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not great by any means. You know, but but I do have some skill, and I think my ego, you know, is, you know, is there. But I don't want to be outdone, or, you know, I, I just I don't want to be outdone. You know, I want everybody to think, oh, that guy is pretty good. And as I think we all do, everybody has an ego. It's just a matter of of how much, you know, you're going to show your ego at times. Right. And the tunnel vision comes in a little later. You know, where if and I have to, you know, I'll bring up an example from work. If I'm at work and, you know, there's a certain amount of pressure that I'm trying to deal with, with dealing with the situation. If I'm dealing with the individual who's bad mouth to me and just talking all kinds of trash, is my ego is going to come into play? Like, how much am I going to let this, you know, individual get away with? Well, I have to put my ego aside. And in doing so, I take control of the situation. So... No matter what they say or no matter what they do, I am going to have the last action. So knowing that, I basically you know, am in charge regardless of what they think or they say. So if I know they did something wrong and I have the last action, it really doesn't matter what they say, what they call names, they call me, stuff like that. It, it sort of is the same way at the poker table where you know, if you have you know, position, whatever – you you have the last your last to act again your ego comes into play 
and you're playing a hand, if you think somebody's bluffing you and somebody's going at you like all day, you know, he's basically raising all your blinds. You're, at some point, your ego is going to come into play. And it's a matter of, you know, putting that aside and, you know, playing the cards you have, playing position and, and, and just playing smart at times and not allowing yourself, you know, to, uh, you know, basically if somebody's trying to clown you or something else like that. And I think about, you know, they're, they're different, you know, obviously, uh, over the years, more and more pokers on TV. So you get to see that at times we're guys with huge egos. And obviously, um, you know, I, I, I think we could just, you know, name a whole bunch, you know, from, you know, Phil Hellmuth to Mike the Mouth, um, and so on and so forth. These guys with huge egos. And at times, um, when they're playing in these ginormous tournaments, I mean, they even sort of say it themselves where their egos, you know, get the best of them, you know, and because you have all these amateurs going at them, there's a lot of pressure being put on them and their ego comes into play. Right. Now, with that said, tunnel vision at times, you know, can get you in trouble and, you know, and, and police work, you know, it, it can it can kill you. And, you know, I, I go to work every day with the possibility of not coming home. So I'm, I mean, that's already a little bit of pressure as I'm walking out the door, you know, but when it pertains to uh, the poker and this is something that obviously I still do. And, um, you know, it's, it's something you should try and, you know, put aside and control the best you can tunnel vision. You're in a big tournament. You think you have the best, like pocket aces, you know, pocket aces just gets crushed, you know, all the time at times. I'm my own worst enemy because pocket aces, pocket kings, um, I'll go all the way. Regardless right. of how coordinated the board is, regardless of the opponent, it doesn't matter. I'm just like full steam ahead. Here's all my chips. Let's play for them. Because you're not adapting to, to the new information that's presented at every season. Absolutely. Is that right? Absolutely yeah. correct. Yeah. And, you know, realizing, you know, that um, I think if, you know, if, if guys, you know, can understand, guys, girls can understand, you know, ego, try and put it aside and, and tunnel vision at times. Um, you know, these, these are things that, you know, obviously, you know, can hurt me in my professional life, but also at the poker table, you know, cause I'm trying to survive until we get to the final table and I'm trying to survive until my hand is the last one that's raised. Um, but at times, you know, if you have tunnel vision in a certain, you know, situation against a certain individual and you're not really seeing, you know, what you need to see because that board's coordinated or he's raising you, telling you on every street, I have a better hand than you. And if you just have, you know, whether it's just ace, can or it doesn't matter what it is, whatever that hand is, and you're just like, there's no way they're better than me. There's no way, I mean, better hand-wise. And if you keep telling yourself that, then you're hurting yourself. Right. And yeah. that's, that's the tunnel vision that I, that I think, you know, happens. Um, you know, it's, it's the same situation at work for me. Can you give an example of tunnel vision, like how it would affect you as a police officer? Like what, what, um, what is an example of having tunnel vision? It would be like if, I'm, if we go to a situation, 
and um, let's say it's it's like a, a group of individuals um, that are you know in a fight or something, and uh, I'm focused I'm focused on one individual, and I'm talking to them, and all of a sudden like they say something to provoke me or try and provoke me, and you know it it you know it gets me like I start listening to them. And, you know, now him and or her, the individual, we're going at it verbally and there are other people around and me having tunnel vision on that individual, Mm. you know, and not realizing the surrounding people, you know, that could possibly hurt me as well. Then all of a sudden, you know, they take advantage of that. And obviously over the years, I'm sure there have been different videos of police officers having a little bit of tunnel vision, you know, on the, the news and, you know things happening um you know just individuals just getting hurt in general and you know that's the tunnel vision that i never want to get into you know at work how do you avoid it like what 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 do you do like is it just a matter of training yourself to recognize the situation like or are there steps that you could take to make sure that you you know don't close your eyes and and don't tunnel through it's you know i I think to a degree it's yeah, I mean the train. The more training and you know that you go through, the better off you're going to be. Realizing situations before they happen, um, you know, obviously having partners with you, um, you know, is is always a big thing. You know, you never want to go somewhere by yourself. You know, in police right. work, it's just you know you never want to do that. And luck, you know, I'm I'm lucky to to work in a town where you know we you know almost never go anywhere by ourselves, or at least we never try to. And then more of us are going to show up regardless. So, but tunnel vision at, at a poker table, again, like, you know, you don't have any partners there with you and, you know, you have to try and, uh, control that. Um, and again, like I'm preaching this, but you know, I, I get in tunnel vision, you know, you know, more than enough at the poker table. Um, and now it's obviously over the years as I've gotten better, you know, it's, you know, I, I understand more and more and more because once you bust out of the tournament with that that single pocket pair, you know, and you're like, oh, my God, how come I didn't see, you know, that on the board or, you know, there, again, the whole texture of the board. There's a straight out there. There's a flush. There's right. this. There's that. So <laughs> we've all had hands or at least I think we have where, you know, we we go bust or somebody else goes bust and everybody else at the table knew you were beat or, the, or whoever lost the hand was beat except the person that was beat. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like everybody's I like, oh, it's... it was so obvious they had, you know, they had a monster or they had the nuts. And, right. You know, I, but... I found myself I've, – I've definitely found myself in those situations and, I, you know, just to put myself in the shoes of someone who, who would go bust in, in that situation, it's almost like you don't want – either it's too easy, like you don't want to think critically – um, it's just easy enough to make a decision pre-flop and just say I'm never folding or or whatever. Um, or you want to believe that you're right and you don't yeah. you don't want to believe that that you're lost because you know you want the the the, the stack. Um, or you just in a sick way, you know, I don't want to say you want to lose, but in in a sick way, you just you know giving yourself an excuse. When you lose that, hey, I lost with aces or something like that. I mean, I'm not right. saying I'm not saying that's definitely you know something that you're cognizant of when you're thinking of it. But underneath it all, there might be a little bit of that going on where 
well, I'm going to give it my best and try to double up with these aces here. And if it doesn't work, well, I bust it with aces. You know? I'll give you I'll give you a quick example of, of my little tunnel vision. I'm playing a WPT at the Borgata um, a bunch of months ago, and I'm going all day. This one guy, you know, had just been playing at me all day. And not only do I think I got tunnel vision here, I got tunnel vision, my ego came into – everything came into play that I'm talking about. <laughs> This guy had been playing all day. So we get into a pot. He raises. It comes back to me. I'm, I think I'm in the big blind. And uh, I have ace-king. Again, we're like level four, level five. And I bump it up. And he calls. So we see a flop. And it's like king, rag, rag. You know, rainbow. Just everything I think is in my favor. So I bet out for 4000 He makes it 12000 and right there, I should have said, you know, stop, hello, because I still had plenty right. of chips. You know, I still had like about 15,000 in chips or something. But when he raised it up, I was like, you know what? F this dude. F you. <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't care what you have. Screw you. I don't, you know, I mean, obviously, I didn't even I didn't even think of the hand, guys. This was just my tunnel vision yep. against Sounds this like guy it. who had been playing back at me all day. Now, we had... Right. I had taken some, he had taken some, but I was like, you're, you're not gonna get this, like, you're not getting me off this hand. Well, you know what? Yeah, he ended up crushing me with pocket aces, you know? <laughs> I mean, we both, like, after, I bet the four, he bets 12k, you know, and I go all in, and he calls, or whatever we did, and he shows the aces, and I'm just like, wow, like, I mean, how could I not see that? Right. I mean, what is he doing that with? I mean, King Queen is, I mean, I don't know the guy, you know, there's definitely, we need more information about him to say, right. is he doing that with King Queen? Uh, but as far as what you're ahead of, what, you know, what is he doing that with what you're ahead of? Right. But that's a great, that's a great example because you're not, you're given, he just gave you new information, right? I mean, he just, he just told you something by what, by his action. And right. You discounted, like you didn't even. You found a way to believe what you wanted to believe, which I think a lot of people do. (laughs) Absolutely true, and that's why I bring it up. Because again, my in this hand alone, my my ego came into play, where I was like, you know, the heck with this guy, screw him. I didn't even think about like, you know, he, you know, he had position on me. The heck with that. The heck with the flop. I mean, obviously, I flopped top pair, you know, top um, kicker. So I'm like I'm happy about that, but when he when he crushes you know my uh, my bet you know on the flop, you know I I still just bells just still didn't go off in my head. I was just like full steam ahead, and you know <laughs> yeah. and I I bust out of the tournament because yeah. <clears throat> again my ego came into play where I was you know this guy had been playing back at me all day, and then tunnel vision not to see you know, or realize what was going on in right. this one hand. I think and what I take away what I take away from what you're saying here um, is that when you're when you're playing a hand, if you find yourself caught up and not thinking street by street and there's new information, like I'm literally gonna be thinking tunnel vision as I'm playing tonight <laughs> and going through the actions of a hand and saying, do I have tunnel vision here? I think it's a fantastic thing to, to ask yourself as you go through a hand and, and it'll, it'll let you, you know, think a little bit uh, and open up your mind uh, and, and, and say, okay, wait a minute. 
am I falling into a pattern here um, where I need to think critically? And the term just tunnel vision is a great, memorable term to, to sort of snap yourself out of that. So I, yeah. I think it's a, a good good point. The other thing that I wanted to ask you about that you brought up earlier was having the last action was interesting. Um, so as a police officer, you – I guess you could say you always have the last action, right? I mean, you're the guy who makes the final decision of what's going to happen in this case, right? Correct. Right. And <laughs> That's interesting. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. I'll, I'll get no, to my question after to talk about it a little bit. I was just going to say, like, when um, I, I went through a, uh, basically like a professionalism class where I taught professionalism. And, uh, you know, obviously I had to, uh, you know, be trained and stuff like that. And, um, it was an awesome class, but it just taught me that, you know, no matter what individuals say to you, you know, you should always maintain a certain, you know, professionalism. And then obviously they can have the last word because I have the last action. And right. with that said, regardless of what somebody says, because if it's on a car stop or it's, yeah, oh, you're a fucking asshole, you know, you know, shame on you. You gave me a ticket, you know, oh, you're, you're, you're a scumbag, you know, whatever they want to say to me. Okay. Again. They can have the last word because I have the last action. And right. if, if they were speeding or, or doing something else that's outrageous, and if I was to give them a summons, again, that's part of the you know the last you know act. Again, whatever they want to say, why do I want to continue to crank them up? And you know, with that's again, it's I can take anybody's liberty whenever I want, and and that's just an absolute you know horrific thing. Uh, at least it would be in my mind. You know, I by no means want to get arrested or, you know, whatever. It's just, you know, it's horrific, you know? Yeah. So, um, again, like, why would I just want to, you know, piss that, you know, uh, law enforcement officer off? And, again, because the, the threat of the last act is always there. No matter how wrong you might be, and you could be, you could be absolutely right in the situation that you're dealing with, but if, if they really want, you know, no matter how unlawful it is, they can arrest you and you've got no say. Right. Until obviously the legal system, you know, takes act. Right. So if if you're an individual out there, again who just does something you think is not wrong and that police officer tells you you're under arrest, well then that's the last act. Yeah. And, and that, what, that, that seems like a really highly correlated concept to just going all in. I mean, not to make it too simplistic, but you know, the the threat. If, if you're the, if you can establish an image, um, and have people believe that at any time you will use your threat of last action, you could be feared at the table. Would you agree? Absolutely. And um, you know, I've gotten better over the years with this, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Because obviously, you know, an aggressor at the table you know, is going to have a decent advantage. But, you know, they always, you know, you always hear position, position, last act, all this, all that. But that's really, you know, the truth. Because you can apply so much pressure onto somebody. And I'm sure you guys have been in it both, you know, live and uh, and online. Um, just think of that for a minute. It's, right. it's you know, it, it, it's amazing. Especially if you're, if you're playing. Now, if you're playing some, you know, some small sit and go that you're just, you know, you've got no care in the world about and, you know, you're just wasting time during the day. Well, that's slightly different from playing, you know, the uh, Sunday, you know, whatever, Sunday Millions or, or the Brawl, and, you know, any one of these huge majors. 
the amount of pressure you're going to feel is always going to be different depending on the situation. Um, you know, when I go play on the weekend in, in Atlantic City and, you know, I end up doing well, well, then that's nice. That's a good amount of pressure. And, you know, if I, if I win or if I place, but then at the WSOP, you know, which I continue to struggle at, you know, for whatever reason, I just, you know, feel a lot more pressure at those events. It's more prestigious, you know, obviously. And I do want to have good showing and I don't want to embarrass myself. So then there's more pressure applied than if, if I was to just go play, you know, in a small tournament on the weekend, which at times I don't feel any pressure. Um, so it, and, and again, it comes down to you as a person on how you're going to deal with it. And I, I, I just, I just feel like I, the, what I'm taking away there is, you know, being the person who has, you know, being, you don't want, you don't want to be the person responding to the last action. You want to be the person who has the last action. So don't put yourself in a situation where, you know, you have to make that, that difficult situation because that's where all the pressure comes from is being that person who's responding to the last act. Um, you know, it's obviously not easy to just put your chips in, especially if it's a bluff or, or whatever. But the pressure of someone who's making the decision is incredible. Um, and being that person who's who's forced the decision is is a better position to be in. And like I think of specifically like a player like Durr has that who has that reputation of he you know he will force you all in at any moment, and he doesn't even need um, you know to have the best hand. And that that reputation has given him a, an image where he's feared at the table. And there's a lot of you know empty tears I think that have the same sort of reputation where they're just not afraid. And because of that that image, they, they're able to do things because they have that last act. Um, and that fear of last act is always there. I, I think you I think you can bring up a per you know a perfect example, uh, whether it's Durr or any of these other big names or, or great players or even some of the beasts that we know from the internet, like Big Dog and, yep. you know, Ween and all these other guys. I think regardless, you know, of who you are, if you just apply, you know, pressure at the right time and it's for your tournament life, I mean, if, if you, even if you think for an instance that you don't have the best hand, that amount of pressure is going to affect you. And if it's for your tournament life or for if it's just a huge decision, again, it all comes into play and, you know, how you deal with that pressure. And we're not even, we're talking for the most part, we're talking about just at that moment. Let's say, okay, let's say you make the wrong decision, but it's not for your tournament life, but it takes a huge stack, you know, of your chips away from you. Well, now you have to deal with the pressure because now you're, are you going to think about that hand? You know, how long are you going to continue to sit there and worry about it? Especially if, if you go card dead for a little bit. How is it going to affect you? And and that's also part of it. Right. Um, you know, because if I deal with a situation at work, you know, in an improper manner or, you know, I'm going to relive it in my, wow, I wish I could have done that differently, you know, right. or I wish or wish this. But it's going to be on my mind. And it's the same thing when I'm sitting at the poker table. I guess the best thing, you know, that I could try and say, and I read this in, uh, in, in one of the huge, you know, magazines that uh, poker magazines you know, that I'm sure we, most of us read um, relatively recently where they were like, once that last hand, you know, if you just blow that hand, once, once it's over, it's in the past. You can't go back to it, put it away. And now you have to play the cards, you know, and just deal with your situation the way it is now. 
And that's true. Um, I had a big hand in the WSOP in, in the first event, Diego, which which we were in uh, just recently, where a guy just made a horrific suck out on me. And I, I talked to you guys about it, too, um, because I was playing so well and, you know, had a really nice stack. And this one hand beat me up because I had pocket kings and the guy's got like four, three of diamonds. And long story short, you know, he just made a horrific cause like the whole way. And, and, you know, mentally I was just like, what is he doing playing that? But what I had to do was I had to just try and tell myself the hand is over. You have plenty of chips still. Let's right. just move on. Yep. But I got to be honest, you know, a little bit of me was still annoyed the rest of the day. Yeah. The rest of the day, it affected me. And, yeah. you know, that's that's poker pressure. You, you know, know what, I, what I do with that is I I put myself – I mean, it happens to everyone. It's just natural. It's, you know, it's 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 a natural state of being a human when that happens. What, what I do is I try to put myself in the shoes of us talking about it right now because when you talk about it now, hey, this happened three weeks ago and, you know – if I think that I made mistakes later on because I was affected by something that happened that I can't control, you know, in retrospect, it seems like, you know, you're wasting your money, you're lighting your money on fire, you're, you're you know, you're, you're just completely going about things the wrong way because you still have chips, you're still in the game, and I would regret not writing myself at that moment and realizing all those things. So I, I literally think about myself talking about this tournament to someone else a week later or three days later or telling my wife how, you know, how the rest of the day went. And if I am, am, am and I've done this before, talk about how I, yeah, I kind of just went on tilt and I didn't play well the rest of the day. I'm embarrassed by that, you know, and I feel like I wasted my money and I regret not having the, the mental fortitude to be able to recover from that. And I find when I think about the future and how I'm going to describe the, the way the rest of the day went, I recover much quicker because I, I take myself out of the situation and I remember who I am, where I am, what I could do, and just how to effectively move on from that moment. And that helps me a lot in, in sort of recovering from the bad beat or the bad moment. No, I think that I think that's perfect. Great stuff, Pierre. I mean, really enjoyed talking to you about this. Uh, just, the, you know, the theme of this podcast was the mental game um, and just sort of understanding it and your experience dealing with real life issues where you have to, you know, when you make your decisions, you know, some poker decisions are for a lot of money, but most of them are trivial. Um, but the decisions you make in real life are, are almost never trivial and could lead, you know, there's definite consequences. So understanding how someone who's a professional and deals with that every day deals with those 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 decisions and deals with the stress, um, I think could help our, our, our listeners. Well, thanks, Pierre. Definitely appreciate it. And uh, like Diego said, we'll take a quick break, and then we will come back here on the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. All right. Thanks, thanks buddy. Guys. All right. Thank you, buddy. Talk to you Bye. soon. Thank you.
All right, welcome back to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. Special thanks to our guests today, Jamie Glazier and Pierre yeah. from uh, one, you know, one of our very own members. So thanks to those guys. Good, good choice of bumper music coming back there, Derek. Move along. Pretty much exactly the the mindset that Jamie was uh, talking about, right? <laughs> Just got yeah, exactly. It, it's the it's the soundtrack to the reset button, I think. <laughs> Even when your hope is gone, move along, move along. <laughs> How many times have you felt like your hope is gone playing a tournament? Um, per night, at least a dozen times, <laughs> especially the, in the last week. So. <laughs> yeah, I know, you, I know you're running, you're running bad. Yeah, that that the, thanks to those guys. Uh, you know, that was that was really interesting. I know we we typically do the strategy stuff and we you know talk more technically about about poker, um, but I, you know I think it was a good idea to 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 take a break from that and just kind of talk about that mental game. Jamie said, you know, he, he said he didn't want to be a douchebag and say 100%, but <laughs> I thought was a funny way of, of putting it. Um, but, you know, 80% of the game is, is mental. And, you know, he, he just might be right because I talk to so many players who are, 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 you know, know the game so well and they're so skilled and they just can't control their emotion and they don't play their A game uh, yep. enough. And you can learn you can learn how to play technically perfect um, just by studying and, and, and following good practice. Uh, but that, you know, knowing how to handle a beat and, and not and being fearless and, you know, as like we talked about with, with Pierre of, 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 of having no fear, um, knowing that, you know, taking that, I have the last action, all these things combine to take a player who's good technically and make them a champion. And make them right. make them a force at the table, um, and sticking in that A game will give you more opportunities to to to, to win. So, um, really interesting uh, stuff from those guys. Yeah, and and you know it makes me realize that poker is kind of a different animal, you know, because like if you I don't know, say you're a basketball player and you mentally slip for a minute, you miss a free throw or you miss a shot or something, it it doesn't really end the game or maybe even have that dramatic of an impact on the outcome of the game. But, you know, in poker, if you, if you slip one time and you make, you know, make a terrible bluff or, right. sh- you know, shove at the exact wrong time or something, I mean, your, your tournament's over, right. you know? Right. Um, and there's no, there's no way to recover from it. You, know, you can't, you can't be like, well, I'll just, you know, I'll steal the ball and score two more points next time. I, I remember um, talking to Hagbard about this once before. Um, where yeah you know you and I came from another forum that's where that's where we first became friends so poker friends and there was a, a post about emotion and 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 not tilting and yeah he was so <laughs> just his 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 point on this was so eloquent it and simple he's like what what's wrong with you why are you lighting money on fire you might as well just light your money on fire if you're going to tilt and tilt off your the rest of your tournaments because someone actually talked about yeah I, I think I you know I tilted so hard that I I just shoved everywhere else and right. how could you win how could you be in the long term term successful and it's completely unprofessional if you're pursuing poker seriously you know if you were you know a trader and you made a bad trade are you then going to go and just sell everything off you know right. I mean, like you know are you just going to go dump everything uh, you know I mean <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Only, only in poker would you just decide. Okay, I'm just all in everywhere, and yeah. I hope I bust soon so I can go, you know, do something different today. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a, it's a game of the long term. It's a game of, of many situations and constantly making the best decision possible, and coming out ahead in the long term. And, you know, you have to keep the the your your own tainting of your situation to a minimum. Um, right. I, I kind of took four things from 
from this this conversation these conversations we had today um starting with Jamie you know that whole thing about the happy place um it, just being able to mentally reset your mind by thinking about something that makes you happy or something that you did well in the past um and that taking and turning you know turning those those you know biologically uh changing your body state to one where you're in a better frame of mind i thought that was that was interesting um yeah you know, really interesting and important and, and a good lesson um, from Jamie. And then the positive, um, you know, the positive recycling bin and, and you know, focusing on what you did well in a session. Um, I have an example of that, which I, I was just thinking about on break, where it just happened um, the other night in the FTP 28K. Uh, I had 60 big blinds and uh, we were at, we were at, not at 60, I guess I had like 48 big blinds or whatever, but we were at 600, 1200 and I had 60K and um, I had two aggressive guys at my table. Um, I was in the button and one guy um, opens and the guy next to him flats, you know, opens 2400, the guy to, to, to his left flats and I'm on the button, you know, just two positions later and I have eight, six off, you know, which is obviously nothing, but we're all deep enough. Everyone here has at least 40 big blinds that I just throw in a, a light four bet, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I get myself put in a bad situation because the big blind um, who has, I think, about 25K. So I, I three bet to uh, – I'm sorry. It was a three bet, but it was, uh, it was, a, it was a pretty big one. Um, and I, I make it uh, nine, 9K, and, and, and I – brought his hand up to Casey and we talked about it. He says he thought it was a little big. And then I, I told him, you know, in this tournament, because I know he doesn't play this tournament, this tournament, I think you get, you get flatted too often. Um, right. And so I want to make it a little bigger. And he's like, okay, that, that, that makes sense. Um, but then the, the, the big blind makes it, he has 25 K and he makes it 16 K. <laughs> <laughs> and he leaves himself eight, you know, whatever it was, he left himself about eight K behind. So maybe he made it like 17, but obviously a really weird small bet. And, um, you know, on the spot, I was trying to do the math. Couldn't really get the math down. It was just too hard with, you know, with what he had in, what I had to put in th- to match, then what would be going after that. But intuitively, I, th- I felt like it was very close. Yeah. And, you know, after doing the math, actually, if, you know, we put him on a range of, like, tens are better or jacks are better, ace, king are better, um, depending if you add ace, queen, depending if you add tens, but it's, it's I got about a 26% um equity versus range and it turns out I'm putting in 27% more of the pot you know if I just shoved and he he called which he would uh, I'd be putting in 27% to win you know the, the full pot so right. it, it was mathematically as close as it felt and I time banked on this and you know I just felt real dirty folding there but I did anyway and I brought it to Casey and I said Casey what would you know what would you do here and he says you know what you had enough chip you had too many chips in there he goes I feel like it's close but I don't think I'm ever folding there. I think, it, you know, the amount of the time that it's ace-king, you have decent odds. Um, and then if you don't, you don't. But I, he said he felt like money-wise it was enough money to make the call. And he felt pretty confident about that. Yeah. And so I, you know, I, at first I I, I thought, uh, man, you know, I, I made a mistake. Um, you know, I really should be doing better than this. But, you know, when we were talking about it, Casey thought that he, he felt that the initial three-bet, was just a great spot 
he just thought that he's seeing that he thought my game had improved a lot just seeing me do things like that so i decided the rest of the day even before we even talked to jamie here you know decided that i'm going to focus on what i did right there you know finding that opportunity that spot that i might have missed in the past because of the profiles of the players who just were in the hand was a good opportunity and both of those guys folded so if this guy behind me didn't open up with a hand it would have been a great spot to steal right like so to jamie's point you know sort of Anchoring yourself to something, you know, thinking about what you did right. Forget about that I folded incorrectly, but the fact that I found a spot that I would have missed in the past is something that I'm taking as a positive, and I'm and I'm going to think about and you know carry that over into my next session. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. So that's the second thing I I, I found, and then uh, with Pierre, you know, this concept of tunnel vision I thought was really interesting. Just you know, trying to keep yourself, you know aware at every street of what's happening and not locking yourself into a line and a decision mode and not being able to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then ha- that sort of applying the pressure with being the person that has the last action. Pretty interesting. Right. So those are four concepts I'll take away from today. Pretty interesting stuff. Yeah, it definitely was. I think um, one thing that I really found interesting in talking to Jamie, um, and, and it's something I'm going to get on his site and dig deeper into, is that sort of pregame uh, routine mm-hmm. um, and sort of setting – you know, I think setting your mind up um, to face these sort of challenges, like you know that that we've talked about in terms of you know bad beats or or making a bad play at a bad time or right. uh, whatever the situation might be. But I just I think there's a lot to be gained from putting yourself in the right mental state before you even sit down to play. Yep. Um, you know how many how many times have you you know started a session or, or somebody said they started a session and they didn't really feel like playing that day or, right. they, you know, had some other things going on in their life or whatever. And I think, you know, and, and if you play for a living, you know, sometimes you're not going to want to play, but you might still have to. Um, but I think there's probably things that, that we as tournament players can do to, to get ourselves in the right, in the right state of mind to, to, to play our best. So yep. uh, I really want to look into that, that pregame ritual uh, and, and see if there's some, some things to gain there. And then, yeah, I, I thought Pierre's, um, concept of, of tunnel vision was really interesting too i think it's it's definitely something that that happens to me sometimes you know you um you start you start playing a hand and and you've just sort of decided what you're going to do before you know right and, and and we you know we talked a lot about having a plan and i think a plan is important but you, you should be willing to adapt your plan based on i think you had you know you talked about new getting new information yep. and, um and that's one one thing about poker is with you know the the various streets that we see we get new information uh, and, and different bet sizing and, and timing and, and things like that uh, and you have to take that information into account and and, and adjust your plan accordingly so absolutely um, and you know I think that just involves a little more focus and and reminding yourself and it was funny because both guys mentioned having sticky notes on their yeah. monitors. Um, <laughs> And as silly as it sounds, I think I think I'm going to put a few sticky notes on my on my monitor. There you go. Uh, I'm not sure what they're going to say yet, but I'm I'm going to I'm going to find something. So, yep, not um, a bad idea. Yeah, it was definitely uh, it was definitely a really interesting uh, conversation with both those guys today. So definitely appreciate them coming in. Cool. Yep. That, thanks to those guys for for coming coming by. We really appreciate uh, talking a little bit about the mental side for a while. So. Absolutely. Um, so uh, let's talk a little bit about what's going on with Tournament Poker Edge this week. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, it's a couple things, right? Um, from a from a video perspective, some some cool videos up right now. Um, there is currently a big dog series running. Uh, he during double guarantee week he did a live sweat, which his live sweats are pretty epic. Um, and this one is no different. It's a six parter. Um, I've watched the first four parts, and I got to tell you, 
I I feel like watching that watching this video helped me win that tournament Friday night. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. There's something about when I watch a a, a, a big dog video that uh, you know going back to mental state, it just puts me in the right mind state of fearlessness and thinking about you know you know he takes so many lines where he does things you know he'll see more streets than a lot of you know a lot of a lot of a lot of other um, pros I've seen. Uh, he'll he'll take more chances than a lot of the pros I've seen and, and just, you know, seeing him be successful with it has inspired me to do a lot more different things at the table. And I feel like it really helped me. So this is a good series. Um, anyone who is on the site that hasn't started watching yet, I definitely recommend it. Um, there's a pretty cool series going on that just, just wrapped up where, um, I know we're going to talk about the, the league cycle two that just started, but, um, the first tournament of the TPE league, um, just concluded and uh, TMCK21 won the won the tournament and Ween did his review of the of his hand history, um, yeah. so that was pretty cool. And that that's going on right now. Um, and then upcoming, we have uh, hit the panda did a Sunday sweat uh, just this Sunday, and that that'll be going up next. So nice videos out there. Yeah, right I'm there. I'm a I know I know different people have different preferences, but I. Uh... I love me some live sweats. So yeah. a big dog and a hit the panda live sweat all within a couple of weeks of each other makes me yeah. a very happy poker player. <laughs> yeah, so. and and we also have um, we're doing another Sunday Million Final Table replay review. Ween and I just recorded, um, so that should be that should be fun too because the first one got a lot of really positive response. Um, pretty pretty cool concept, I think, and and people seem to like it. So we just did another one, and that'll be coming up shortly too. Cool. Um, yeah, you mentioned um, you know being inspired by uh, by by Big Dog, and I think a lot of people were inspired by his article this week, which just went up on the site um, called Killer Instinct. And I think he does a pretty good job of uh, capturing the mindset that you need to win tournaments, not just go deep in them or just you know finish seventh or eighth or something. He he really talked about um, the idea of of going going for the win. And, uh, and not just moving up the uh, the pay ladder. And members have loved that article, so I encourage people to go over and, and check that out. Yeah, I mean, look, if you're good, you're going to finish eighth or ninth a lot, right? So whatever. If it happens again, it happens. Go for the win because those top threes are where you're going to make all your money. And that's kind of – I just summarized his article, and he wrote it better than I, I described it. But that's that's what he's getting at. And the way he describes it from, that, from his mind is really eloquent. So um, – yeah. You know, that's sort of paraphrasing what he talked about there, but he's so right. Well, and there's really not much difference between finishing like 12th or 13th and finishing 8th or 9th, you know, money-wise. So you might as well put yourself in a position to win it. Yeah, but the point he makes, too, is that, you know, if you play to where you don't give yourself a chance to win, you might move up to 4th or 5th a lot or, you know, or even 3rd. But you're never going to give yourself a chance to take first because you're just not going to get aces enough. You're not going to get kings enough. Things aren't going to go your way from a pre-flop perspective all the time. So you have to put pressure and you have to take chances. You have to win flips. You have to come out, come from behind. Because if you do that enough, you know, finishing fourth or fifth six times is nowhere near as good as finishing ninth five times at first once. Right. So that's kind of what he was getting at. Definitely an eye-opener. So I know you mentioned the Tournament Poker Edge League, but I do want to... Uh to make special mention of that. Uh, if you're a TPE member and you haven't gotten in on the, on the league yet, make sure you do so. Really good turnout so far. Uh, we, you know, we've had good numbers. We've had uh, a number of the pros playing in some of the events. Uh, so it's been really cool. Um, 
you mentioned TMCK21 and, and his hand history review from the first win. We're still pretty early in the cycle, so he is currently our uh, our top leader. Um, but he's followed up by Deal Straight and Hawkeye K9, who are uh, coming up on his tail, trying to, to take over the lead. And I think I mentioned last podcast that we did add a little bit of uh, cold hard cash to the to the prize pool. So make sure you get in and give yourself a chance to uh, to win some of that. Um, if you want to make it really easy on yourself, you can you know you can go over to Tournament Poker Edge and check on the forums for information on the league, or you can just go to tpe.mttleague.com, and uh, it has all the information, uh, you know, the schedule, the rankings, and uh, and one thing that's great about that site is that you can literally click on the Poker Stars icon and it will open up Poker Stars and open up the window to register for the next tournament. So it Magic. sort of automates the process for you. You don't have to go digging through the private tournament uh, tab trying to find it. So, and it, it deals you aces and puts you all in too, right? Uh, if it does, then I'm <laughs> using it more often. <laughs> uh, also, uh, just wanted to mention uh, we announced the Tournament Poker Edge Boot Camp last week. So I want to, you know, get, tell people to, to head over to the forums and, and check all the information out on that. It's going to be June 10th in Las Vegas. Um, the exact location is to be determined, but it will either be at our house in Vegas or at an offsite location. Kind of just depends on how many people we end up uh, having. Yeah. And uh, you know, work out some of those lo- logistics. But it will be, uh, it will be on June 10th. So uh, you can you can check out the forum for information on, you know, the, the agenda. Uh, and and cost and, and a few other things like that, but I think it's going to be a really cool event. Yeah, I can't wait to to do. I can't wait to just spend a full day talking poker with you know these guys, the pros and the members, and just kind of going through a lot of the things we talk about on the site and in this podcast, but face to face and in yeah. person, which is a great way to learn. Yep, and a lot more depth. And you know, I mean, um, various coaches charge various things, but uh, you, you know, to get five or six. Uh, really top-notch pros yeah. to talk to you about poker for you know seven, eight, nine hours, whatever it ends up being. Ridiculous um, value. Yeah, it's well worth the money. Okay. And uh, and on a related note, there is a $1,500 event at the World Series the next day, and there's also a $340 Venetian Deep Stack event the next day. So and there's a thousand dollar on Sunday, right? On Sunday. Uh, yep, I believe you're right. Yeah, yeah. Can, we kind of did that on purpose to so that if you do come in for this, you can roll right into a couple of affordable. Ring events, bracelet events. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so make a trip of it. Come out, uh, attend the boot camp, and then we'll all go play some poker together. And, and um, speaking of rings, a bunch of uh, TP members are planning to get together for the World Series of Poker Circuit event in Chester, PA. Um, it's Chester, I think, right? Yeah, in yeah. in late April. Um, so we'll obviously have more podcasts before then, and we'll give you guys more details on what's going on there. But uh, just like we did in Atlantic City, there'll be, you know, probably a bunch of people meeting up and, and, and just getting together at the tournament. Cool. Right on. Well, I think that's it. We're going to wrap it up. And uh, once again, thanks to Jamie and Pierre for uh, for yep. coming in. Yep. Um, especially, uh, I know Jamie was on vacation, obviously, so we, uh, we appreciate him taking some time out to talk to us. So. All right. Yep. All right. Good luck, KB. Take down the mini F-tops. Thanks. I'll definitely try. You too. All right. And uh, we will see you all next time on the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. See, see ya.
it, baby, stay with me. Lug in intuition, play the cards with babes to start. And after she's been hooked, I'll play the one that's on her heart. Baby, when it's love, it's not rough, it isn't fun, fun. 